You're listening to The Inside Scoop with Novell. Welcome to The Inside Scoop with Novell. I'm Dr. Rita Simmons, retired Navy captain, medical researcher, and Novell founder and senior consultant. This is the first episode in our new series titled Redefining Leadership in Our New Normal. In this series, we'll reflect on the stresses that businesses and workers they've been undergoing during the pandemic and the resulting changes. And then we're going to explore what types of leaders are best suited for success during crises, what challenges leaders still face seven months into this, what we're going to call our new normal, and how this pandemic and all the necessary changes will redefine what leadership may look like and what character traits and skills are the most valuable when restructuring and reimagining your company. So in today's episode titled Motivating Remote Teams and Individuals, we'll focus on the team, but especially individual employees' issues that leaders, at least what we're finding, are experiencing while trying to navigate the new work landscape. We're also going to discuss some important individual differences in workers that we think that leaders should think about when evaluating their employees and then how to use this information to everyone's advantage and what leaders need to do to guide their team through these challenges. Now, with all that said, joining me on the podcast today to talk about all this important information is Dr. Joseph Chandler, Associate Professor of Psychology at Birmingham Southern College. Dr. Chandler has a PhD in social psychology, 12 years of experience as a researcher in applied human performance psychology in military operations and performing corporate assessments, and more recently as a professor teaching cognitive psychology. So Dr. Chandler, welcome to the Inside Scoop. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to jump into our discussion, but before we start, I just wanted to set the stage for our listeners with a short recap of our previous discussion about remote work issues. You and I discussed some of those previously uh, in our first uh, series. And so for those that have been listening to our podcast series, uh, they might remember that in the first episode of our first podcast titled How to Maintain and Grow Your Business During the Pandemic, we discussed some of the issues companies and employees were having in the transition to an all remote workforce, such as poor communication, that lack of face-to-face interaction, the difficulties workers were having adjusting to basically finding themselves as remote workers overnight. Mm -hmm. There were IT challenges and then leaders who were experiencing really those same work from home challenges and then combine that with maybe not having the skills to lead their teams during a crisis and in a remote type of situation. Companies and, uh, and their employees, they've had some time now to work from home, uh, about seven months or so. And we're finding a lot of those initial remote work challenges have been resolved. Uh, they've shored up IT infrastructure. They're giving more support to their workers. They've instituted some software resources, um, like at Teams. We've talked about that, Zoom and others. And I think leaders overall have gotten better about delegating work using online instead of um, traditional methods like conference room meetings, which is all great news, but other issues have now come to light. And with one of the primary challenges being that not all team members 
have the same, um, what I'm going to use for now is personality to successfully work from home. Mm-hmm. So we have heard from several clients and across many different marketplaces that employees are missing online meetings, product deadlines, they've neglected completing important tasks, whether it's unacceptable quality or not on time. And in many companies, leaders and management, they're trying to find a fair and equitable fix for this challenge. And they're asking, how can we remain supportive of our team members, but keep business moving forward? Mm -hmm. All right. So Dr. Chandler, we were preparing for this podcast and you and I were discussing these topics and we then got onto the topic of your students. And we're seeing that they're having some of the same problems with focus and motivation that we're hearing uh, with our remote workforce that your students may be facing in remote learning. So what do you think uh, that you're seeing and how that might relate to uh, with your students? Would you share some of those with our listeners? Sure. So uh, one of the very first things that I noticed, and, and this was related to the conversation that you and I had in the last podcast, was that the systems that we have in place that we're used to kind of guiding our lives every day, you know, when those go out the window, you have to provide yourself with an intrinsic structure uh, and you have to really, I hate the term police yourself, but that's being used a lot right now in the pedagogical literature. You have to police yourself and students are not used to this. They go through a system where um, tolerance for ambiguity and, and those kinds of concepts are not really part of the curriculum. And so uh, what we've found, what I found in particular is that you have to create a, a new system, um, the kind of rules and structure that allow them to thrive so that the people who need it get boxed in to the correct road. And those who don't have it if they need it, uh, but aren't necessarily held back by it either. So it's almost like we're taking individual classroom environments and we're creating them for the people who need it uh, and providing it for everybody if they do need it uh, and allowing those who don't need it to kind of run their own way. The reality is if they're being productive, they're being productive, right? That's true for students and for remote workers. It's just that the people that were never used to creating this productivity on their own had no formal instruction uh, to to get used to it. And so they started to drift uh, the way you described it just a minute ago. I think it's perfect. You know, people are missing deadlines. People are missing meetings and it's the same for the students. Some kids just don't show up uh, and we know that showing up is the first step in any kind of success for a classroom or for a business. Yeah, how widespread are you seeing this with your student? Is it very broad or is it very specific? Yeah, it's so I would say that if I use the metric of absenteeism, uh, it's slightly higher than it is in person. So uh, say I've got a classroom. We're very lucky at, at BSC to have small classrooms and lots of contact with our students. So, you know, the biggest class I teach has 25 individuals in it. Um, in an in-person situation, if I had kind of a uh, an attendance policy where they were not required to sign in every day, which I do with some of my upper level classes, maybe maybe two would be missing, maybe three would be missing every class period or so. And now online, it's more like five or six. 
uh, and it doesn't vary. Uh, it is generally the same individuals over and over again. So it it ends up being, gosh, a quarter of the class. I don't know how that translates into the larger population, but in terms of motivational structure, which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, it actually ends up mapping onto that quite well. Yeah, I think so. And again, some of the leaders uh, that we've been speaking with, I, I would say that's about what they're seeing uh, somewhere around that 25% mark, believe it or not, where they're having issues with some of those individuals. Uh, again, sometimes it's um, maybe missing online meetings. Uh, there are times when it's something a little bit larger uh, related to mission accomplishment of things mm -hmm. like uh, weekly reports or due dates on things like proposals, which are critical to a lot of businesses. So it, it's having a broad impact on their ability to be successful within the business and for individuals, I think, to be successful. But I think those numbers, uh, to me, sound about right in, in that 25% range. Well, it's fascinating that they map up that way. But I mean, it's also not surprising, right? Because a lot of the workforce, especially those that have the opportunity to be remote workers are those that are recent college graduates. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, the people who are in the entry level jobs that are usually tied to a computer workstation, they've got a little more flexibility and they're not having to do some of the the face to face um, leadership structure that's a little more traditional. You know, so in a lot of ways, we're talking about the same populations of, of people. Yeah, absolutely. So we're seeing the the school dynamics being similar to workplace dynamics. And and I think you hit it that these are the same people, right? I think leaders sometimes forget that their employees are individuals, right? Mm -hmm. And individuals are different. And there are ways that maybe they work best, different things that motivate them, how to successfully keep them engaged on track when the leader can't just pop by their office, right? You pop in for a discussion face-to-face -face mm -hmm. to make sure you can get that person's attention to keep them on track. So I think this uh, gives us a segue right into talking about motivating, right? How do we motivate team members? So you mentioned the word uh, intrinsic uh, or extrinsic earlier. So would you generally, we'll talk about that a little bit and define it for folks, but would you generally categorize people as fitting in for our discussion today, right? Fitting into one of two categories that intrinsically motivated and then extrinsically motivated, maybe give a quick de definition. Sure, so, um, you know, as, as you said, for the purposes of the discussion today, it's really a continuum and we're all sort of somewhere on that line in terms of how uh, our motivational structure comes out. But if we were to put it into the two categories, then intrinsically motivated people are those that leaders are going to recognize right off the bat because they're the folks that your, your company really ends up depending on. Um, these are your go-to people. Uh, they're generally self-starters. They motivate themselves to work. They uh, meet and often exceed deadlines. Uh, they organize their own schedules and their own time. These are the people who uh, I like to call them paper planner people. Um, you know, they're folks who have their own system of keeping up with um, with what they're going to do. And critically, they are motivated by their own internal deadlines. So putting that check in the box uh, for something that they don't even have to tell anyone else about is extremely motivating for them uh, and they don't need to be pushed. So I have a student right now uh, who is running my lab 
she's fantastic and she fits this category perfectly. I say, you know, here's what I what I want to accomplish in the next month or so in terms of the lab. And she will go organize it, categorize it, give us deadlines, and even sometimes keep me on those deadlines. So oh, we're all fantastic. familiar with those. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We all want those, right? Yes. Um, but the majority of the population is made up of people who fall more toward the the extrinsic motivational structure. And that's not bad. That just means that those people need to have anchor points that are external to them. Um, they need to have systems into which they can be placed that allow them to see progress, measure progress. They need to be uh, held accountable. These are people who really need to be led. Um, leaders with intrinsically motivated self-starters, you can basically lead by example and because they're going to be looking at you and emulating you by default. People who are extrinsically motivated, those are the ones that we end up trying to get to know individually, coaching, finding their strengths, um, helping them identify their weaknesses and come up with systematic solutions for it. Um, and they are integral, critical parts of successful businesses and classrooms as well. Uh, but those are the ones that are having a tough time in this environment because the systems that they're used to are no longer in place. Right, and as, uh, I think as what you've seen with some of the, your students is what people are seeing in the workplace, right? Different characteristics across the workforce. Mm -hmm. uh, with some of these uh, personality types, uh, and with some of my reading, I'm seeing that with intrinsic motivation, maybe uh, what leaders can also expect is typically, as you mentioned, higher quality, being on time, and those people having those in more internal system of rewards, right? And then from some of the reading and something that they may want to keep in mind for the extrinsic part is uh, reward systems and mm -hmm. about delivering certainly quantity, but there may need to be extra checks on quality. And then how long we're seeing those rewards incentives as being motivators for some of the external. Now, some of my reading talks about it being short term, something like six months, maybe a little bit longer. And then some of those reward systems kind of um, will run out for those individuals. I don't know if you uh, have any comments regarding uh, some of those types of motivations. Sure, um, I and I would just say that you're spot on. Uh, individuals who are external, extrinsically motivated uh, tend to need those well, external structures. And when we pivot toward rewards, incentives, sort of almost short-term monetization of uh, their efforts, it can lead to a temporary uptick in their productivity. But uh, again, you, you hit the nail on the head. The uptick is in quantity and not necessarily quality. And then disengagement is what the baseline returns to very quickly, right? So maximum of six months or so, uh, if the system felt novel, like they were being rewarded for this particular set of behaviors in a novel way, it's kind of like uh, in classic learning theory, why you can't give the kid a cookie every single time they do something right. Mm -hmm. Because pretty soon it, the cookie is no longer motivating and they just expect the cookie, right? Right. Um, and yeah, and I think is, one of the research areas, I'm sorry, but one of the somewhat more recent research areas would be... Um, 
fitness tracking tools, yes. Apple smartwatch or Fitbit in particular, where uh, people will, it will increase their uh, exercise um, quantity, sometimes quality. Uh, and mo most of the research has borne out that for many of those individuals that that helped them start a program, a lot of that wore off within four months, certainly six months in, in the mode of the Fitbit or other fitness tracker providing that feedback and enhancement uh, to, to delivering on their exercise plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and that research is indicative of pretty much any quantifiable behavior. So especially if we're talking to folks who are in the business of producing of, you know, product counting, whatever your widget is, uh, you can get those temporary upticks. And I want to I want to note that, you know, we're talking about the extrinsically motivated folks as if they might be you know, lesser quality. And that's not necessarily so because the continuum is such that you want to. It's almost like you have to train those folks how to be intrinsically motivated. It's a transition where that wall occurs is if you do not have a mixed motivational system for these people in place where you know you're going to have to offer the short term carrot before you can train them how to properly uh, motivate themselves. And I've seen this happen uh, with students who come in in their first year, you know, they're 18 years old, and they're used to an extrinsically motivating system, uh, high school. A's are the things that they're looking for, and perhaps their parents paid them for uh, for those letters. And then, you know, you come into college and it's a different game. Those who make the successful transition end up adopting the intrinsic patterns of self planning, short goals, um, you know, basically those paper planner people with check marks in place. You can transition from an external and an, an, an extrinsic structure to an intrinsic structure if you're shown how. Yeah, and that's a great point. And, you know, we we need diversity across our teams. There are things where you need to produce things somewhat quickly. There are other things that take more planning. And as you say, if some of the folks, especially in the remote work environment, can make that switch over to having more intrinsic um, motivation to themselves, mm -hmm. uh, then they certainly can be more uh, successful in this environment. So with these personality factors in mind, what do you think leaders should think about in this remote work environment when they don't have this direct engagement, how can they set up the structures that we're talking about? Yeah, sure. It's uh, so I've gone through almost an entire iteration of this challenge in my classrooms where in the spring we went from face to face instruction and I had already established sort of these individual relationships with these students. I knew what their motivational profiles were. I knew whose whose buttons I needed to push and in what way. And so I could continue that online. Uh, the over the summer, I taught a, a 100% online class that I basically switched over from an in-person format and it did not go over well. Uh, I, I had to reimagine it for this fall from this native perspective. So I think one of the things that we really we have an opportunity to do is to reimagine our own systems, whether they're classrooms or meeting rooms or boardrooms from the digitally native perspective, rather than thinking that we're having to adjust to 
uh, a system and taking it and making it into something, fitting that square peg into a round hole, just build it from the ground up. And, and one of the things that I've found critical is to establish individual relationships with each of my students at the beginning of the term. This is meant using three full class periods for one on one sessions, so I'm giving up a lot of instructional time, but it's designed to create buy in and accountability for them on the personal level, and that is a powerful motivator. That's an automatic part of face to face business, but it has to be intentionally cultivated when we're online. And for leaders, this may mean a stratified approach where they cultivate individual relationships with the senior team then the senior team cultivates the next level and so on. And then every once in a while you have the you make the time for a personal interaction between the leader and the boots on the ground. And in this way you are creating uh, a team bond. You want people to have this in group bias uh, so that they begin to feel the loyalty uh, of their belongingness as a reward itself. Now, another tool that I found helpful is to use multiple reward networks. We talked about that just a minute ago. You know, if you just go with the extrinsic factors, you're going to run out of steam in about six months. But if you nest them within one another to accommodate and then you challenge different kinds of learners and workers, then you can put together a more successful, more sustainable system. And we've already touched on the intrinsic versus extrinsic motivational profiles which can be used to triage high touch mentorship. But other personality aspects can also be used to tailor that leadership approach. And there are a lot of personality inventories that are popular out there right now, right? And we're not going to name names, but I'm not talking about those. They have their place in pop culture and they may have utility as far as team building goes, knowing which type you are and that sort of thing. But I'm talking more about the empirically validated constructs like the big five. And I know that you are are familiar with the big five. Mm -hmm. uh, you and I have done some research together using the big five. Uh, and one of the factors that a lot of people are going to be familiar with is introversion versus extroversion. Everybody uh, sort of classifies themselves as an introvert versus an extrovert. And knowing your students or your team members uh, profile on introversion versus extroversion and the other big five you might actually be able to tailor the work environment for more productivity and remote work than you would in the office. For example, introverts may appreciate the quiet uh, and extroverts may not waste as much time socializing. We know that extroverted individuals, especially in open office environments, spend the majority of their workday socializing. But those extremes also have to be carefully accommodated. Introverts should have a structured check in system so that they don't check out and drift too much and extroverts can actually become easily depressed without regular social interaction. So small groups and other support structures can be facilitated uh, via work for them. And then finally, I think the thing that I have found. Personally, most uh, useful is that this whole situation requires some cognitive reframing, some good old fashioned self therapy, and we keep using phrases like when things get back to normal that connote the, the passing nature of this shift. And this creates a cognitive frame in which we're all waiting for something, right? We're waiting yep. for to go back. 
but this in turn creates anxiety and an external locus of control. Um, and those have both been shown to greatly reduce ownership of work. So you were making the really excellent point about the quality uh, and the, the ownership aspect, missing deadlines and that sort of thing. When people are anxious, when people think that it's out of their control, oh, when the virus is gone, it'll get back to normal and I'll go back to my normal level of productivity. When you give people that double-barreled excuse of I'm highly anxious and I'm anxious because of something that is outside of my control, the ownership of their work goes down, which means that their productivity goes down, which means that their job satisfaction goes down. So a simple but intentional reframe that puts us in the now and allows people to reclaim ownership of their work, just do what you have in front of you. That can be very, very productive. Yeah, we were uh, starting that conversation um, about two months ago uh, with some clients and, and with some other folks. And when we started using the term like, well, you know, we're not going back. This is normal. You know, it, it's a new normal, but that's OK because things just naturally change over time. New processes, new pre procedures, new technologies always come into our lives. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think you're right. If we, we're trying to encourage people to reframe things that different doesn't mean bad uh, different is just different and we're doing something different in the context of work and productivity and how we're interacting and you're right if they can reframe those things maybe people can get back to uh, more of a sense of normalcy and productivity but i think leaders do have that uh, a little bit of the onus upon them to help their employees when they're struggling and to have those regular conversations um, that create normalcy around our current situation. I think that can be very helpful. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's, that's fascinating. All the things that you're uh, using with your students, I think they all translate really well uh, into this current situation. And these are the things that leaders, you would think they would be naturally thinking about, but again, they have a lot on their mind and maybe mm -hmm. in their personal life and in their new work life, so to speak. But I, I can say that from interactions across various industries that that leaders sometimes um, aren't having giving themselves the space, I suppose, to think about these things and how they should interact and sometimes having trouble keeping the mission on track. So not having that personal interaction has been a little bit challenging, but I think leaders can take some time to rethink how they're interacting with their employees and truly make some great progress. So some of those you know, basic steps, again, seeking to understand their team members. How do they work best? Define their strengths and maybe some areas they need to work on and improve. Like you said, maybe they can move from extrinsic to more intrinsically motivated and be more successful, right? Mm -hmm and then structure some of the tools that you talked about to leverage their natural uh, tendencies. And I think if they use the information to then adjust some tasks and work schedules and how the interactions are going, then they can get better results for the company and especially for the employees so they feel more productive and that they're contributing. So I, I think everybody wants to be successful and sometimes they might need a little assistance, right, to achieve it. So let's specifically as we wrap up today talk about some tools 
that leaders may want to to employ, or at least how are they going to think about these tools when they're dealing with differences in their employees? So let's talk about meetings and discussions, phone calls versus like visual or online contact for employees. Yes, so I have found, uh, at least with this generation, email is almost useless, which is a, a little crazy, but uh, email is almost out of the question in terms of tasking out. Uh, of course, we use a learning management system, but there are a lot of online business management systems that are similar to where you have, well, for example, Microsoft Teams. You have a central place for files, for tasking, for chat. And this is going to sound simple, but one of the most useful things that I've instituted this semester is I got a Google Voice number that is specific for the students to be able to reach out and text me at odd times. So um, I make sure I'm meeting face to face at least three times per semester with each of them. But really the most powerful tool has been the drop in because when I'm on campus and we're face to face under normal circumstances and there I go again saying normal right when it all goes back to normal. But last spring uh, before the pandemic started, I would have students just drop by when they had a question. They can't do that anymore and I don't want them texting my personal number uh, and sort of mixing that because as we talked about in the last time you and I got to chat, we want some separation wherever possible. So I, I got a Google Voice number and after they started using it, they have really found that to be a useful way to reach out. Um, and I have found it to be a useful way to get to know who they are a little bit. Um, humans. Yeah, we, oh, I'm sorry. Well, we did we did talk about that in some of our tools for remote work, and we did suggest doing some sort of what we were kind of uh, classifying as instant messaging, if you will. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so whether they're using in our company, we use Microsoft Teams as that kind of quick reach touch point when you need a question answered, you need to have a just a brief conversation. And I agree that has been invaluable. And we've seen a lot of our clients uh, begin to institute that if they didn't have it already, a means to be able to reach out and, and to kind of feel like they're almost in the room together yes. with instant messaging and those drop-in conversations. Absolutely. It, it is that, and I think you captured it right there. It's the feel of being on a team mm -hmm. that's so, so critical. And, you know, you and I have worked together for a long time and we're lucky to have that that existing relationship so that now I, I mean I, I can't remember the last time we saw each other face to face but we can pick up on a phone call and, and talk like this and on projects we can get things done because we understand uh, the rhythms of how we work but especially if you're starting out with a new employee virtually you really got to work to make them feel like they are included they have that in-group bonding part of the team and you know hip hip hooray and rah rah for the team sounds almost too surface for it to to be critical but it really really is especially when we are spending so much of our time uh alone uh, especially for individuals who may be new to the workplace uh and are coming directly out of college it's likely that a lot of their social interaction is coming from their work uh, and they need to feel like a, a part of that being able to do that without the formal structure of say setting up office hours or i'll call you at this time or the the waiting game that comes with an email really helps to improve some of that and make you feel like you're in the room just like you said 
Yeah, so do you have other, um, so I think that's great for those like meetings, discussions, any other, I'll say software solutions that seem to work best for helping uh, these two personality types, if you will, to stay on track and mm -hmm. be organized in this type of environment? Absolutely. So uh, one of the things, and in fact, a plug for Novell here uh, as someone who does uh, work with you guys on occasion, one of the things that you and Abigail just do beautifully is you provide a very structured, uh, broken down set of goals so that when I get to, to work on a new project with you all, um, you know, I take those individual due dates and I break them out and I put them in my planner and I automate reminders, say 24 hours out. Uh, because I think one of the things that people struggle with, and this is just anecdotal, but I see it with my own students. You know, if I were in a classroom environment, I could remind them, you know, here you got this coming up, you got this coming up, check your syllabus, check your syllabus. But you need you you need some kind of an automated software solution to do that. For us, again, it's the, the learning management system called Moodle, which is free uh, and can actually be used by businesses as well. But Teams has has a function where you can input an entire schedule of due dates with and then task out by email or even by text to the individuals. You know, hey, remember, you've got this coming up at this time and here's the exact product that I need. Another thing that really helps is um, I use for office hours an on a site called You Can Book Me. And it's just a simple scheduling tool, but it's actually pretty powerful because you can encourage team members to set up small groups and mm -hmm. then as soon as they click on that time slot it's going to automatically sync that up for their calendar it works with several different electronic calendars it's going to put the reminders in there and then it's going to ping everybody at the appropriate times and then literally set up the call environment for them too um, so if a student wants to talk with me for office hours, they just go to that website, they click on a slot and then automatically it's in my calendar. It's linked to teams, so it's going to pull teams up automatically. It's going to do the same thing for them. Um, in the habit literature, this is making the system frictionless. Anytime you can find something that removes little points of friction that we used to take for granted in people's days. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna have more success that way. So and I'm glad you mentioned that because there's a local business that um, I think set up the same software you were talking about, and you can literally where you used to have to call, you know, set up appointments, things like that. They've set this up, and you can set up appointments to either just uh, drive by, you know, our new model, right? Go by and mm -hmm. they'll toss stuff in the trunk of your car, or you know, deliver to you what you need. And you do it through automatic scheduling, which has been fantastic. Yeah, you know, I, I'm marveling right now at the adaptation of grocery stores. And um, today was picture day for my son for kindergarten and he's remote learning, but we took him to the school and they had it scheduled. It was like clockwork. They knew his name. They had somebody there to get him and all of this was automated. And then as a reward for doing a good job, we took him out for his favorite fast food place. And we just pressed a button on the phone and checked in and they bring it out. You know, this is I think where we're getting in in the pandemic these days. People are really starting to think about this from a native point of view rather mm -hmm. than have to adapt. Mm 
we're thinking about our businesses differently. And, um, you know, it's the it's the same thing for individuals. We used to think about taking an individual and plugging them into a system. And now we're kind of having to reverse engineer it. Yeah, I think that's great. And uh, as leaders, that's what we need to be doing, right? Looking at how we are running the business. And I think these new systems, right, that we're saying, how do we run our business? How can we change it? How can we operate within this more remote environment? And I think people are going outside the box and finding that, oh, this actually creates a more efficient and most of the time more effective system, which I think should be exciting. You're right. And it really become more uh, native to the entire process and how we're doing business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you have any other uh, tips for leaders as they're working with folks. I know one of the things we talked about in prep was um, how to break down work. I know we touched on that already. Um, I, I know one of the things that that we try to do is, and when you, thanks for mentioning, uh, I didn't ask him to plug Nobel, but I appreciate <laughs> that. We do establish project due dates. We do allow for slippage. So if you're working with a team members that you know that may have trouble sometimes staying on deadlines, you know, leaders can assist with those tasks, right? Uh, whether it's um, mid-level management, more senior level, but breaking the day into smaller amounts of work making sure those due dates have some allowance for possible slippage, you know, hopefully they won't, but it's possible. And then make, if it's a larger project, create incremental tasks in incremental due dates to make sure that it will all feed in and then to create the larger project. Cause I think sometimes it can be daunting if it's a large project, um, staying on track with, with some of our uh, team members. Absolutely. And you know, it, leaders who are listening to this right now uh, are going to find all of these concepts familiar, right? I think that one of the really cool things about this is that the basic tenets of running a successful organization or team of any kind haven't really changed. It's just that the the focus of what we have to make uh, visible, right? What we have to be very intentional about, that has changed because the system has changed, the environment has changed. And the management, the parts that we actually have to reach out and manage uh, have maybe switched order of precedence a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Do you have any last comments uh, to share with our listeners about whether it's leadership uh, tools or anything else that they may want to keep in mind in our new normal? No, I, I've really enjoyed the conversation. And, you know, if anybody wants to get a hold of me and talk about this further, it's something that fascinates me as as a professor and, and also running a lab. Um, they can reach out and, and find me on LinkedIn or at www.bsc, as in Birmingham, southerncollege.edu. Great. Well, thank you so much for providing your insights. Um, I think this has been a great discussion, and I hope that our listeners have found it important and uh, informative. So we'll add Dr. Chandler's contact information to the episode notes. And if you found this material helpful, please subscribe to future episodes and check out our website and social media for more information at Novell Online. Uh, Please join us for our next episode in the series where we will discuss leading through crisis. I think it's going to be a good one and we'll look forward to seeing you then.